Just a reminder, everyone, the topics covered in this podcast are general in nature. They haven't taken into account your personal circumstances, and it's important to seek personal financial advice if you want to address any of the subject matter. Welcome to The Money Men. I'm Luke Stiles, and I'm joined by uh, with Stephen May, my colleague. Hello, Luke. How are you going? Good, mate. I'm doing the intro, so... Yeah. Merry, <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. This will be our last one for the year. Yep, it will be. Yeah. We'll be back into it. Mm. What a year it has been. It's been a great year, hasn't it? Um, it's been lots happening, but um, we're nearly to the end of it, and uh, as everyone says, we hope 2021 is better than 2020. Absolutely. Reminder, yeah. general advice only, um, yep. the discussions in today's conversation and podcast. Yep. Um, remember themoneymen.com.au is our mm-hmm. website. You can get access to all the episodes there. Facebook page, The Money Men, of course. And um, you can listen to us uh, on you know, whatever you're listening to us on at the moment, as well as you know, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and lots of other good hosting um, platforms. Yep. Okay. There you go. That's our intro, isn't it? What's been going on over the last couple of weeks, Steve? Uh, last couple of weeks, uh, you tell me. Markets have been up and down, yeah. but generally, yeah. I had a quick look. Mm. I think the last fortnight, you know, it's up a little bit, um, you know, as far as where we were. But probably the big, big numbers are over the last month. So things are up significantly. I didn't manage to actually grab the the specific percentages, mm. but you know, it's pretty obvious that things are going well. And you know, it's an interesting reflection on the year we've had. Absolutely. What what about uh, what else? China. Yep. Everyone's talking about China at the moment. Yeah, aren't they they, they mm. are making mm. it into the news. Yeah. Um, probably not for the right reasons. Um, mm. But you know, there's a big. You know, I've got some. I've got some views on that. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not going to espouse <laughs> on the podcast too vocally, but it. I, I think it's a bit unfortunate to see you know big developed countries, you know China, Australia, having this little tit for tat. Mm. You know, it's it's child, child children's behaviour really. It is, but and it's not the first trade war that has ever been uh, experienced. It won't be the last trade war, and um, we'll get through it. I'm sure. It's exactly right. Um, the year that was, what was uh, what was a low light of the year in in markets, um, you know, financial markets? I guess it was um, that initial COVID scare, wasn't mm-hmm. it? You know, so, so within that, a month, mm-hmm. we saw thirty percent wiped off. Equity mm. markets, you know, yeah. Australian yeah, generally, yeah. I think US. I think Australia was actually down about thirty-five. Yep. Um, US probably similar. Um, yeah, that's pretty scary when it's happening, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's quite <laughs> ironic because sitting, you know, it was. I, I do recall when we were talking recording in February. Mm. You know, things were you know very buoyant mm. in the financial markets, and it was almost like um, we weren't going to be sort of kissed by the COVID. Um, mm. You know, sort of curse so to speak you know in australia and and you know we are very lucky in some respects but it you know it is truly a pandemic and it affected everything you know from you know health to financial markets and economies and uh, you know as i said we have been very lucky but it's interesting to see that since then you know we've basically clawed back all those losses we have um probably in australia probably not quite um on you know based on actual share prices but if you take into account dividends paid yeah. as well we're, we're sort of pretty much back to where we were yeah. so and you know if people have been um and as many australians are they're they're contributing in you know through the super into the into the market 
um, regularly through their employer contributions. Yep. Um, they've, they've actually seen uh, seen a good upside. Um, yeah. That and that's exactly right. It's the dollar cost averaging message. Mm. You know, getting in while and making contributions while the market was down. You've mm. actually been bolstered by that down market, and you've come out the other side probably with a higher, you know, call it superannuation balance for the example than it was twelve months ago. Yeah. So, you know, that big scare, um, the initial uh, hit was about nine months ago, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, the end of March. Um, just a bit of a sign of how quickly markets can move either way. So, you know, in, in February, March, it was uh, all bad news. And then uh, six, nine months later, it's um, it's looking fairly buoyant. But uh, who knows? We could wake up uh, in the new year and... You know, we have an event that causes uh, you know temporary downturn yeah. again. It's you know? t- totally possible. Mm. Be prepared for it; it'll happen again. Uh, won't be COVID necessarily, but mm. you know, expect that markets will move very quickly, very rapidly, and you know, people will become very panicked very quickly. What's the message? Stay the course. Yep. Now, what are we going to do in this uh, special Christmas pre-Christmas episode? Um, do you think? Yeah. So mm. today, you know, we both put our heads together and we thought you know it's probably a good opportunity to talk about tips on getting wealthy how to get wealthy Uh, just some basic tips around around money and habits and how to how to actually achieve wealth whatever that means to you yeah and i think the key word there steve is habits so Mm. you know that is really going to dictate wealth but um so we jotted down a few points didn't we and um and we haven't actually jotted down anything much more than a few points so we're going to (laughs) ad lib to a certain extent um so the first one that I had on the list mm-hmm. was get on top of your cash flow. Sounds boring, doesn't it? Yeah. Whenever, yeah. whenever yeah. someone mentions cash flow, yeah, and yeah. budget, and then I think, oh. cash flow, budgeting. Oh, got to got to actually look at how much money I spend. Money it's, in, yeah, money out. Yeah. Should I um, should I go and get all the teeth pulled out of my head at the dentist, or should I do my budget? Yeah. Let's get the teeth pulled out. Uh, sort of that <laughs> or, isn't or it? Should I should I scroll on Facebook <laughs> for another hour? Yeah. And... Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> budgeting and cash flow sounds very painful, but yeah. It's actually essential. You know, those, those people that do achieve wealth are on top of their cash flow. Um, so what does that mean? Well, I guess firstly they understand where they spend the money. Yeah. Yep. So the first part of that is getting an understanding, just understanding where your money is going. Mm. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean, I think, in a lot of instances, Steve, a really regimented budget. Mm. I think, you know, some instances it can just be, you know, and you've put some points here, is setting up the right structures to make that cash flow automatic mm, in some yeah. respects. Yeah. So, But the key, the key to it there is, you know, don't spend more than you earn. All right. Is that fair? Simple but principle. That's a simple principle that all this cash flow stuff is yep. built around. Um but sometimes it's a matter of understanding what you spend and, and sometimes it's a matter of understanding that you actually do spend more than you earn. Yeah. That, that first initial recognition that that's where you sit yeah. and then being able to have, have a good you know, dive into that and have a look at where where things are going wrong um, and fix it. You know? So if you're, if you're spending lots of money on stuff that is wasteful, then, you know, make a decision to cut back on at least some of that. Yeah, um, exactly mm, right. Mm. And, and you know, I think it's very obvious. A lot of us could look through some of our expenditure and go, 
that's wasteful. Mm. Um, you know, I, I know that I look at my stand membership and, you know, although it's only $14 a month and, and that's the operative word only yeah. because that's how you justify yourself to yeah. yourself and that's how they know that they get you because it's only this and it's only mm. that. Mm. But all those little payments over a month add up yeah. fairly significantly. And I tell myself, oh, you know, I might use it next month. Oh, there's an episode of this or I saw something the other day that I think I might want to watch. Mm. Yeah, I still haven't watched it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what, what's the pretty clear message there? It's not a lot of utility to me right now. Probably need to cut the expense and allocate the cash flow somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll ask you about that in the new year, see what you've done about it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think I can already... Yeah. Sure. I, I'm on a, I've, I've crystal ball it, Steve, and say to you, I've probably done nothing about it yeah. in the new year. Um, but that's, yeah, that's symptomatic of, of, of this it's thing, exactly isn't it? exactly yeah? right. Um, so do that, you know, what other things are wasteful spending? You know, gym membership's a classic one, isn't mm. it? And, um, you know, I... Um, I discovered in my banking the other day that um, there was a, uh, uh, an Apple um, app payment coming out weekly, you know, and I'd subscribed for, for a trial for, for, I don't know what it was, some app. Mm. Um, but somehow um, at the end of the trial, yeah. uh, it went live yep. and um, it was deducting $10 a month. No, no, $10 a week from my bank account. What was the app? Can't remember. Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad you got you know, a handle on it. So anyway, when it went in, uh, it took me a while to actually work out how to actually stop it. Mm. But um, so that was there. So there's there's often stuff in your in your cash flow that you don't even realise happening. Absolutely. Um, so you know, cut back cigs, cigarettes. You know, too much grog. <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff. Going out too much. Um, yep. You know, those sorts of things all all sort of add up. Um, and, and you know, and building on that point, and it's very you know not not to criticise anyone specifically, but a lot, you know, us humans, we like to keep up with the Joneses. We like to do what other people around us are doing. And, you know, that can often be the cash flow trap because mm. all of a sudden you become, you're overspending. So you might have your core budget sorted out. You might be able to afford your mortgage and your car repayments or whatever it might be. Yeah. But then these other expenses that crop up and you might be able to, out of, you know, family thing or people are doing this and, mm. you know, you very quickly justify a thousand dollars expense here because you know other people are doing it, and I think it's a strong reminder. Just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean you you necessarily have to do it, and and it can be a slippery slope. Hmm. It's a, in my experience, it's absolutely the discretionary spending that causes the issues. Yeah, you know, so um, you know, do you need do you need that extra pair of shoes? Do you need to do that? You know, short trip away on yep. the weekend uh, that's going to cost you fifteen hundred bucks. You know, do you need to? And can you say no? Uh, and it, or is it built into your budget? Your cash exactly you know? right. You build it, build it into mm. your budget with mm. some structure around you know saving first, spending later. But you're yep. exactly right. We're, we're not saying hey, don't go and enjoy the money that you earn. Mm. But if you are spending more than what's coming in, there is a clear problem. Hmm, absolutely. So you mentioned something there, save first, spend later. Mm-hmm. That's what wealthy people do. Yeah. Um, they actually put their money aside to create mm-hmm. wealth first. Yep. And then they spend what's left. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, or mm-hmm. you know, if, mm-hmm. if it's not wealth, they put money well, aside to earmark for all future expenses, expenses yeah. that are coming up, um, yeah. and then spend what's left yeah. over. Which is sort of the same, isn't it? it? Um, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's earmarked towards something that's useful and, and will benefit them. Yeah. But they don't get to the end of the week or month mm-hmm. or whatever their pay run is and, mm-hmm. and try and save what's left over. Yeah. So invariably people who don't achieve what they want to achieve wealth-wise... Um, tend to spend first and save later. 
Correct. The problem with that is that there is often little or less than little to save. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, very, very important to cut back on that wasteful spending. Um, use any surplus that you do have wisely mm. um, for your long-term benefit. And uh, another thing is that just that structure, you know, setting up a, a banking structure that enables you to have the freedom to spend, you know, some of your money. Yeah. Uh, make sure that your bills can be paid. Yeah. Uh, and then have that bit that's going away for your long-term future and wealth as well. You know, so so big strong, you know, message there is, you know, financial management is very important probably, you know, than a lot of people give, you know, credit for because it affects your personal lives, you know, your relationships and and, and whatnot. So if you actually have struggles with money and you put those structures in place, you know, especially that save first, spend later structure, you'll just find that your whole mindset changes and you just have a different approach to money and it just doesn't stress you out, mm. you know, like, like it might have previously. Yeah. So, you know, it's so important to get, get that part right. We're not talking about nitty gritty budgeting, mm. but we're just talking about, you know, getting the high level stuff right and everything else will fall into place. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, if you use uh, if you use your cash flow surplus, so the amount that you're not spending, mm. um, if you use that wisely, then you know what what are the numbers you we you've done a blog, or we might have covered it in an earlier podcast around you know what if what if a dollar was invested today in the markets and uh, yeah, it was over forty years, what yeah. would that dollar be worth? Oh, well, um, it's like thirty thirty six dollars or something yeah, like that yeah, over yeah. forty years. You mm. know, just mm. in the Australian market. So yeah, yeah. for every dollar invested, you mm. know keeping it invested and not necessarily adding, it's worth $36. So you've got to remember what mm. the t- the value of money is today yeah. and, you know, consider what you're spending money on today and what it's potentially costing you in the future. Mm. Yeah. Correct. Okay. okay. That right. was the first one. We could talk for hours and hours you and could. hours about cash flow and, um, and discipline around done. that. But yeah. that, that'll do us. How many minutes did that take us to talk about that? Uh, about 10. Ten. Yeah. Oh, we we need to actually get a move on that. Yeah, we then. do. All right. Push All right. through. So okay. Next next subject. Taking a bit of an interest into your super, mm-hmm. and you know they're all these are all interrelated points. Yeah. Um. But as you pilot as we've highlighted on here, making sure that you've got the right investment option. Mm. You've considered, and you know, right investment option is very subjective. So I don't want to yeah. deep you know delve into that too much today. Mm. Making sure that your fees are low. Mm-hmm. That's non-negotiable I think in a lot of instances you need to be very cognizant of you know how much is being charged in various mm. you know management fees and product fees that's going to have a huge difference and impact on your super fund yeah, and if, you, if you're if you're a 25 year old starting out on this whole um, wealth journey and mm. you know, career and um, and money journey um, and you can just by tweaking and making sure that you've made the right decisions with your super can get an extra 1% return over and above what you would have yep. if you hadn't have made those tweaks and changes and been a bit diligent. Well, that's actually hundreds of thousands of dollars um, of difference. I did the numbers the before the show, Steve. Do you want did me you? to actually tell well, you what it is? Yeah, I didn't know you did the All numbers. Right. Well done. So, assuming a rate of return... So, there's, you know... Yeah, um, lots of assumptions. Over 40 years, mm-hmm. assuming a rate of 10%, so, you know, reasonably high growth investment option, um... 40 years that investment so $50,000 just say 50 grand just yeah. a nice neat number yeah. is worth $2.2 million mm-hmm. so in 40 years time so compounding at 10% no additions into it that 50 grand is worth 2.2 mil yeah. what happens 
if that 10% becomes 9% per annum mm-hmm. because it's an extra percent of... Yeah, because you're in an incorrect in, in investment option or your fees are too high. Yeah, yeah. Correct, yeah. So, so you, you, don't, you get a lower return. Yeah, you get a lower yeah. net rate of return because your mm-hmm. fees are you know, t- taking, that, taking that return. Have a guess what the balance is so worth. So 10% is 2.2 mil, um, and 9%, what, 1.7? 1.5. Wow. Yeah. So it's about mm. it's a li- it's a little it's a little more than 1.5, but it's mm. close to a seven hundred thousand yeah. dollar difference differential just by having a one percent fee difference. So if if someone if a young person mm. was to spend a little bit of time, maybe maybe a tiny bit of money to um, get some advice mm-hmm. on, maybe, but uh, yeah, at least spend the time that, that they need to sort of understand and make the correct decisions. It can actually be, as I said, worth hundreds of thousands of yeah. dollars in the long run. It's actually insane. It's so a pretty, pretty, pretty good return on investment, isn't it? it, it you know, it, time investment it, or money investment, yeah. it's a massive return. Yeah. Um, but um, so many people don't do it. No. Mm. And, and it's so hard to look into the future when, mm. you know, all you're yeah. looking at is now. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because we're talking about a 20-year-old mm. potentially, um, you know, a 50-year-old might be going, oh, 40 years, I don't know, 40 years. Well, you know what? You actually do. Yeah, in, yeah. Unless you plan on kicking the bucket tomorrow, yeah, you're, 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 you're going to be investing. You're going to be investing potentially time. for 40 yeah. years, yeah. And, you know, a lot of 50-year-olds. So don't care where you are, you know, yeah. 50, 40, 30 or 20, this yeah. is applicable regardless. And, you know, depending on which age group, it just yeah. means more money in your pocket. Yeah. yeah. So, the yeah, the general thing that you, you look at is, you know, if you're talking, if we're talking with a 20-year-old, mm. And they're in a low volatility, um, low return investment option. And we have been very careful not to give advice to anyone to go and do this without yeah. without actually saying someone about it. But if they're in a investment return, so they're in the cash fund of their superannuation yep. um, policy or fee uh, or fund, uh, yeah, um, fund, and that's that's going to return on average over the next forty years, say three percent. Mm-hmm. Or four or yep. two or whatever, yep. um, compared to the ten or nine percent that you spoke about, mm. then that's potentially not hundreds of thousands of dollars in difference. It's potentially millions of dollars <laughs> in difference. Um, so yeah, but yeah, but I'm just sort of ho- highlighting there that it can make a huge difference at a very young age, but then it can also make a huge difference at an older age as well. Yeah, and that's exactly right. Um, you know, we're not. Yeah, as you said, we're not saying this is what you specifically need to do but you need to be very aware that if there's a one percent difference over 40 years mm. it's going to mean hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. on the average balances out there yep so there you go take an interest in your super yep start off with two really boring ones haven't we cash flow budget <laughs> in oh, and uh, super oh. <laughs> but those are those that achieve wealth yeah uh, actually Pay attention to those things. Yeah, and um, and getting wealthy, uh, and I hope you're kind of getting the undertones here, can actually be very boring. Hmm. Um, yeah. well, the best way to get wealthy is to be boring, yeah. I believe. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's not these exciting stock picks that, you know, go up a 1,000% or whatever it is. And they exist out there, guys, hmm. but, you know, reversion to the mean hmm. exists. And, hmm. you know, a lot of these things, you know, revert to the mean. Yeah. And over the long tranches of time, they don't necessarily... Do, the, do what they've been doing for the last few years. Yeah. And by the time they're going up, a lot of people are just starting to get in. So yeah. it's very rare that people are in at the ground. 
very rare. It's very hard to find them, and uh, usually there are many um, participants in the industry or the market, uh, and the um, and picking the correct or the right one or the winner mm. um, isn't very, that easy. Um, no. So don't go out and, and put all your money on one stock, yeah. hoping that you'll get rich quick. Yep. Because as we know, if you get if you take the chance to get rich quick, you can also get poor quickly. That's exactly um, right. You don't want to be losing all your money. Now the other point you've got here, well, we've got here, Steve, and you know I think it's a little less boring as far as mm. getting wealthy is save money on purchases when you can. Mm-hmm. So you know negotiating on things. Looking yeah. for bargains, wait for sales. Mm. That's actually quite, you know, fun. I, you mm. know, you've <laughs> probably a lot of us probably been to Bali and you go to a shop or yeah. you know wherever it is or Thailand or something like that, and you're in the shop and you and you're bartering, mm. <laughs> you're bartering with them over something. It's thrilling. It's exciting. So there's no reason why you can't sort of apply that, you know, um, same behaviour here. Mm. You know, mm. but a lot of people don't barter in Australia. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just not not the thing. Is it's it? not the done mm. thing. Mm. Um, but but. but you know, yeah. countless examples. You know, more recently, I bartered it on. You know, I negotiated. I didn't barter mm-hmm. um, on an insurance policy for my house. I wasn't yeah. happy with the premium, yeah. so you know, I'm and, uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, another another one, of course, is uh, being able to uh, have the confidence to ring your bank yeah. and uh, tell them that you're not comfortable with your interest rate, exactly and right. um, see whether you can do better. And, and mm-hmm. how easy, you know, going back to the Bali example, you know, you've got to walk up the shop to go mm. and find out if someone else is actually selling that thing that you want to buy any cheaper. But mm. how easy is the internet now? You can mm. look at what's mm. available in terms of mortgages yeah. and go back to your bank and go, well, mm. you know, this is the type and style of product that I currently hold with mm. you guys. Mm. How mm. come, you know, XYZ Bank down the road is offering it at half a percent lower? Yeah. Um, sh- sharpen your pencil and make it happen. Yeah. And, and a lot of instances, you know, if you've got enough equity in your property and, you know, you've been a long-standing customer, they're, they're, they're usually going to make it happen for you. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the internet, uh, you know, just say you're making a car purchase um, and the local dealer you know, gives you a price, you know, for the car and the trade-in. Mm. Get online, have a look at what's going around, you know, what's happening in the, in the capital cities, in the, in the car yards. And uh, yeah, right. sometimes they'll have different um, incentives uh, applied to them and uh, and you'll we'll get the benefit of that. Uh, and Wait, that's, yeah, yeah, sorry, so yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, wait for sales. So, you know, if you're... If you're looking to make a purchase, so yeah, just say you're looking to buy a new suit. Um, not that we wear suits. No, um, we don't much anymore. No, no um, suit or tie, really. No suit or tie. No. Sort of got a no tie policy, haven't we? Um, <laughs> but if you if we were to be looking to buy a suit, and it's not an essentially urgent purchase, is it? Yeah. You know, why why not just wait until yeah. um, you know there's a sale on and um, and have a look then and uh, and see what you can do because it's yeah. so hard to get so easy to get swept up in the yeah. you know in, in the excitement the, of buying a suit excitement <laughs> of buying a suit yeah, yeah. excitement of buying anything I guess um, buy in bulk you know so yeah that's that's one that uh, many many people who do the shopping in a family mm. uh, tend to to hook onto and do is. Um, you know, don't just buy one egg, oh. um, you know, or, or one whatever. Um, you know, buy, buy it in bulk yeah. and, and get the benefit of that discount. And, and, yeah. I, and I see this all the time, mm. you know, personally, you know, if we haven't planned out the shopping for the week or mm. fortnight or whatever it might be, you end up going and buying something, you know, mm. almost every day or every second day. Mm. $50 here, $50 there, $50 there, $50 there. Yeah. And all of a sudden you've totally... Totally, you look at the weekly shopping list, and I'm not saying the shopping is cheap. And any, you know, food and groceries are extremely expensive. Um, but 
you know, you're making it so much worse if you go and buy little item, mm. itemised things without really sitting down and thinking about what do I need, doing a bit of a, mm. you know, stock stock take on the pantry. Yeah. Sounds terribly boring, but you're probably going to save yourself, you know, a couple hundred dollars a week potentially. Yeah. So, you know, so save money on purchases when you can. Again, it sounds so simple and basic, um, but, you know, those that become wealthy mm. um, tend to do that. Um, those that don't tend not to. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's, yeah, each to their own. But, uh, you know, we're having a bit of a talk about some of the things that uh, wealthy people do or have done to Some of there. the habits that the people habits, implement yeah. Yeah. and, you know, that and, you know, we've definitely seen them firsthand from, mm. you know, wealthy people that we deal with and these are definitely some of the habits that they have. How are we going for time? We might go for a quick ad break, Steve. Go for a break, all right. Yeah. We'll be we'll, back uh, in a minute. Catch you on the flip That'll side. That'll be the final second half of the year. Yes, awesome. <laughs> See you in a second. At Steve May Financial Services, we know how daunting the idea of seeing a financial planner can be. Bearing your financial soul to a person you don't even know doesn't sound like fun, does it? That's why we believe in being approachable and being ourselves. Our mission is to provide uncomplicated, affordable and personalised financial advice to those who normally wouldn't get it. Contact us for a friendly, no-pressure consultation to get your financial stuff sorted. Steve May Financial Services, www.stevemayfs.com.au We're back from the break. I'm Luke, and joined with joined by Steve. Hello again, Luke. How Hello, was your break? Good, mate. Good. It's good to have a cool beer. Yes. And uh, in fact, the room started to get a bit hot, so we turned the aircon on. Yeah, all, so the, all this money hopefully, talk. Hopefully, there's no <laughs> there's no buzz in the background. If there is, um, well, it's only twenty minutes, yeah. so uh, yeah, everyone will be able to put up with that. <laughs> Forgive us, please. Um, and, I don't, and our podcast editing isn't quite up to um, get, getting rid of that background that's, sound. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, what's next on the list? Okay, so, you know, we wanted to talk about starting, you know, early and, mm-hmm. you know, around investing early and, the, you know, the power of being in the market and the power of, you know, time in the market and, and taking advantage of that time. Yeah. And you did mention that, you know, older people, uh, I consider myself an older person, you know, okay. at, at my age, 54. Um, I probably wouldn't consider you that old, Steve. It's not, it's not, um, not too late ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we were talking about starting investing early, um, you know, we are sort of saying, okay, as early as you can. Um, and, you know, what are, what are the ways to do this? You know, part of it happens automatically. Mm. How does it happen automatically? Well, I mean, if you are employed, yep. uh, very lucky in Australia, we've mm. got a you know, superannuation contribution system. So your employer is going to be putting money into your super fund automatically. Yep. How much do they put in? Nine and a half percent at the moment, Steve, yep. of your salary. So have you earned 50 grand? A year? 4750 bucks. There you go. So that's good? Yeah, 100 not grand? Too, not too bad. Not well, I always... Hey, yeah, yeah. don't make it too hard for me. I always yeah. round it up for people and just say, hey, yeah. just assume it is 10%. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Very good. Uh, so, you know, it, yeah. so, in essence, you know, the, it's actually uh, legislated that if you're employed, that your employer pretty much has to put in nearly 10% yeah. of your salary into super, um, which is awesome. 
because over long periods of time, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Long periods of time, mm. right investment option and low cost, it's going to make a huge difference. Yeah. One of the things that I see, and um, you know, you may have a different view on this, mm. um, but those that get started investing early, and a, and a traditional way that Australians start to invest early is in property, mm-hmm. right? So those that have started to invest and be mindful and actually take the opportunity when they can in, in say, their 20s um, to, you know, get their first property tend to do okay. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that everyone's in a position to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but those young people that are mindful enough and have their cash flow sorted and yep. are able to sort of get themselves in a position to get into their first property early tend to be able to um, use the equity that they build yep. earlier um, and build wealth off the back yep. of that. Um, but it doesn't need to be property. Um, yeah, but know, I think they have the yeah. habits, you know, as we yeah. talked about earlier, the cash flow habits are there, you know, they save before they spend, you yeah. know, all, all that, you know, they negotiate on pricing and, and they're able to actually move in and make that purchase. So yeah, they've got they, those habits. They have, they have and, the discipline and, yes, the, and discipline. The, the bank account structures and things set up to, to enable them to yeah. achieve that goal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, another simple way would be to say, okay, well, you know, I'm X amount of years old um, and I've decided that I've got surplus money mm-hmm. and um, I'm going to put 5% of my salary or even my take-home pay away every week or fortnight mm-hmm. or whatever the pay cycle is yep. um, and maybe put that into a managed share investment or something like that. Um, and again, it's habit and it's structure and it's discipline. Um, but as that person's wage grows, the 5% is actually 5% of more mm-hmm. um, and then it grows upon itself and compounds yep. and um, and puts them in good stead for, for later on. So they be, can become wealthy earlier. Yeah, it's automatic wealth. And, and mm. you know, it's interesting thing, you know, it, it, this is very broad, but mm. people often say, how much do I need to save? Well, mm. you know, you can boil it down to some very simple numbers. You actually need to save roughly about 20% of your gross salary you know, for a younger person over 30 years to be able to replace that equivalent salary in, you know, um, passive income. So mm-hmm. if it's coming from property, super or, you know, yep. a managed fund. So very broadly, 20, 20% of your salary has to be saved. Mm-hmm. I've said to a lot of people, 10% of it's already being saved for you through yeah. your employer. It's not exactly that, but I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to, not going to, yeah, I'm not going to yeah, split hairs. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, what's the difference? So it's the other 10%. So what do you do with that? Do you, do you look at some property? Do you look at some non-super investing? Do you look at extra superannuation contributions? And if you're earning 50 grand, that's $5,000 you've got to save. Um, it's not a lot of money to begin committing away mm. and beginning that, you know, very regular and disciplined approach to investing. It's just going to make a world of difference. Yeah. And, it's, and it's almost going to guarantee you success mm. in the future. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like that. It is almost going to guarantee it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, what is early? Start investing early. Well, early is as soon as you can, mm. you know, or as soon as you um, become aware enough to do it or as soon as you become motivated yeah. enough, you know. So, so we're talking about money here, Steve. Mm. You know, a, a point that I wanted to make, well, starting early and investing early, I actually wanted to sort of branch it into, you know, starting in the right job early. Mm-hmm. I think that is important for people. Starting in a career and, and probably... Sorry, probably the right job because, you know, everyone goes through different jobs. I mean, I'm not necessarily suggesting that, you know, starting at, you know, the clothes shop is the right job forever. But for some people, you know, obviously it is going to be. But 
choosing an occupation and being very specific about what you want, why you want to do it, mm-hmm. and making sure that you're actually passionate about it because mm. you're going to be potentially doing this for the rest of your life mm. and you should want to be doing it for the rest of your life, mm. I think. And if you do that, that is investing early, that's doing the right things, that's yeah. building good habits that are just going to put you ahead of... Mm. It's you know, investing in yourself as well yeah. as, your, as your finances, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know. Well, well I think they're just so interlinked. Mm. Yeah. Now, not everyone will, will be able to do that. I agree. Mm. And this that mm. not that isn't necessarily for everyone, and there's mm. always a plan B. And the plan mm. B is, you know, have these saving structures that, that, you know, and make sure that these other things are automatic in the background yeah. to make sure that, you know, you're financially independent come yeah. that point come in that time. Point. Yeah, yeah. So, so I've seen um, plenty of people over the course of my financial career who have worked in jobs that... They wouldn't say are particularly satisfying, yep. But they're comfortable enough, you know. They, they can get by. They, you know, they they don't particularly like the boss, or they don't like the routine, or they don't like the company yep. particularly. But you know, they they like you know they get on with their workmates and they can get through it. Um, but in the background, um, they're they're doing all the things you just said. So they're yep. they're saving money. They're putting extra into super, yep. um, knowing that the price they're paying for being in something they're not potentially passionate mm. about. Um, that's it's, delayed gratification, really. Yeah, isn't it? well, well, they're offsetting that by doing the right things to get them to a point yeah. where they can exit that as soon as possible. Yeah, and it'd yeah. be terribly yeah. unfortunate to see the person who's working in the job that they want to be, or the career or occupation they don't mm. want to be, and they're not doing any of the things to make sure that they've got financial discipline yeah. in the future. Because what they do then is ensure that they won't be wealthy, yep. um, and that they'll have to work until age pension age. Yeah, it's basically in, yeah. in that job that they yep. don't like. Yep. Um, but there's a whole lot of psychological stuff around that, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> there, really, really, there really is. Don't everyone really want to go there. No, do no, you? we won't delve into it too much. Um, but, but, you know, I think generally if there's an opportunity to be able to start in the field that you're passionate or interested in mm-hmm. or pivot into it at some point, yeah, then it's well worth considering. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think your point there, pivot mm. into it, you mm. know, mm. Um, yeah. make the pivot, but be realistic about it because, yeah, yeah. you know, I can't, you know, you can't sit back and go, oh, I'd really like to be an astronaut in your 50 yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, the reality is you're just not going to be able to do it. So. I was hoping being that's right. just shattered my dreams. Sorry, mate. Um, anyway, I'll pivot. I, I'll go to, I'll go I to... honestly thought you were serious for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking. I've got to eat my yeah. words here. I'm actually pretty happy doing what I do. Oh, cool. Um, that's, good. that's good to know. Yeah, it's yeah. good to know. Um, yeah, okay. Um, what was the next phase? Becoming yeah, yeah, financially be, be literate. Financial literate. Yeah. So what's that mean? Um, well, just read lots and, mm. and learn. Mm. Okay, so a barrier to many people achieving wealth is that they don't understand and they're not prepared to um, invest or go down paths that they're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. So how do you get rid of that barrier? You learn about the things that you're unfamiliar with and get understanding and confidence. And exposure potentially to it. So dip your toes into something that you're not familiar with, especially Mm. around investing or or whatever it might be. So we're talking about creating wealth and becoming wealthy here, um, but it's also true in life um, that the more you explore and read and and research stuff, uh, I think the more that you're going to give yourself a chance to succeed. Yep, Um, absolutely. So be be well read. But, you know, what does that mean? Well, hey, you could 
you know, around the finance side of stuff who get onto the money start. Um, what money is it? Smart. The money, money yep. um, gov.au, yep. which is a government um, financial literacy website. Yep. Um, and it's got some great stuff. Uh, honestly, mm. you know, sometimes I find myself tracking and having a read through that website, mm. and I, I just think there is actual gold nuggets in here. Oh, there it is, is some, there's some know, really good stuff yeah, in yeah. it. It's really good, mm. really educated. You know, j- just from mm. any aspect of, of mm. you know, financial related items, you know. Yeah. You so, so just say you're looking to buy a car, mm. right? Go onto the Money Smart website, and it's actually got information on what to look for and what to do. You know? <laughs> and um, how, to, yeah. how to actually do it yeah, and yeah. do it you know, yeah. in a wise manner. So, yeah. if you're looking to buy a house um, and borrow money, it's mm. got stuff there. You're yeah. looking to, you know, you're looking to not get ripped off by scammers, it's mm. got information there. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's a really good site, yeah, and it's, um, you know, a good basic um, way to start getting some knowledge and information. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, in your spare five minutes where, you, where you're bored and got nothing to do. Get on the moneysmart.gov.au website. It's a really good one. Yep. And obviously, it's non biased. It's not biased. Um, yeah. It has no leaning towards any particular products or yeah. product providers or anything yeah. like that, which is awesome. You know, re- remember, you know, absolute gold nuggets in there. But remember, you know, it can't apply everything in there to your personal situation. No, no, so absolutely. you know, and they're not attempting to do that, but they're yeah. attempting to definitely give you an element of education. Yeah. Um, a big element of education. Yeah, and it's more more trying to teach people what they need to know and explore and understand yeah. uh, and delve into they're going to be take, making decisions around money yep. what else um, I've got the barefoot investor I've got there, the barefoot Steve. investor here mm. I always do that because um, hey everyone's heard of the barefoot investor yep. not everyone but most people would have and many people have bought the book um, and it's actually not a bad start to, to start to think about um, some of those good habits mm-hmm. and uh, decision um, makings yeah, um, for wealth. Yeah, know. they're absolutely. Yeah. It's a. It's a. I often say it is a half decent blueprint to you know making good financial decisions. There are some things in there that you know I don't necessarily agree with, but yeah. the overarching message in the book is very good. It is. Interestingly, I come across a lot of people and couples who um, have bought and read the Barefoot mm-hmm. Investor. They've tried to implement um, what's in the book. Mm-hmm and uh, haven't been able to do it. And that's because it's a general book, isn't it? It can't, yep. it can't actually apply to everyone. Yep. So he's got certain rules in the book around yep. putting this much away for this and that, but not everyone can do that. Um, the one that lets most couples down is the fact, uh, yeah, in the book he, he recommends, what is it, a monthly date night where you talk about money? Yeah. You know, never happens. No. I, <laughs> Who I, wants to go on a date and talk about money? Yeah, I, I, look, yeah. <laughs> that one. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it, 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 yeah, the, the the message behind that is actually communicate about your money and yeah. um, and, and be on the same page. So, so important. Yeah, so that, that's one book. Um, but you know, there are plenty of financial articles. Yeah. Um, you know, all you have to do is Google whatever topic you're interested in. If it's mm. you know, housing, finance, or if it's superannuation, you can Google stuff. Don't always take for gospel what comes up in a Google yeah, search. And, and I and I think there's a very, very good point, Steve. Mm. You know, you've got to be so careful about what you read. Mm. Um, you know, and and maybe as a little bit of advice, a subject that you're looking to read on, get some independent opinion on it as far as, you know, some blogs and articles and the likes mm. and then actually refer back to the Money Smart website. Yeah. You know, the ASIC Money good Smart idea. website. Mm. And just try and find out which pieces of information align most with, you know, the yeah. rhetoric in, in the government's yeah. website and go, hey, maybe that's the one that's most legitimate. Yeah. 
the issue with Googling and, and pulling up information is that, you know, there are lot, lots of people advertising, I guess, through, um, you know, through websites and, um, and, and that sort of stuff that aren't necessarily uh, in it for you. They're in it for them, yeah. you know, so the information you get might be a little bit biased. Blogs, um, you know, go... Too good to be, yeah. too good to be true. Yeah, is usually. Yeah. Not usually. Yeah, it, it, is. it is. It is. And, yeah, you it know, is too good to be. You know, if it's too good to be true and that's yeah. the message you're getting in whatever you're reading or whatever yeah. financial content you're reading yeah. or seeing, it, it is going to be, you know... Yeah. You go to blogs, so, you know, you look up a, you know, our, our aligned, um, you know, the, the business that we work for, which is, you know, Steve May Financial yep. Services. There's a whole heap of blog articles there, you know. <laughs> On all different things, some good, some not so good, as far as you know, the way that we can communicate it, I yeah, guess. That's but, a, um, you know, that's yeah. probably more more me, Steve. You're a good writer. I'm a terrible writer. But um, well, I don't think so. But I, I think <laughs> you know. Fun. So there are blogs. And there are plenty of blogs that, that are there. Lots of organisations mm. and and whatever uh, post them. Podcasts, the Money Men. You know, really good one to start. With. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but How do I find them? <laughs> I think we told you earlier. Yeah. Didn't you? Um, but you know there there are there are a few actually there there are not massive amounts in Australia um, or even or even overseas you know mm. not not like the business coaching ones and that where there are yeah. thousands and thousands and thousands there's not a massive amount but um, you know just get onto your podcast host and you know search financial yeah. and see what comes up and have a listen and learn yeah. you know and, and you know off the back of this podcast what mm. we'll do is actually include a few links to things like the barefoot investor and a couple of other books that i th- i've found very yeah. beneficial and you know mm. articles that i've found very unbiased yep. in their approach and you know very much educational based mm. and you know go and have a look at them and, s- and see what you think i'm not going to mention their names necessarily yeah. but I'll, I'll i will include them, them in the show notes and 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 you know anyone's welcome to go through there and, and actually have a look and yep. like totally you know, swear swear by those yeah. um, resources, and you know maybe attend some seminars, whether that's online or in person. Probably more online these days, mm-hmm. but in in person. Um, so seminars, but you have to be careful. Yep, with seminars. we've spoken about you know, this before. Yeah, yeah, don't don't go and be you know and be in a position where you, you know, you're with someone who's trying to sell you something. Yeah, and you walk out signing yeah. a contract for yeah, a property yeah, or yeah. something like that. General, you know, go for general information and to learn. Um, but don't put you ever put yourself yeah. in a position where you're going to be expected to buy something yeah. on the back of it. Yeah, um, if you're, you know, what's a good, you know, psychological message? If you're feeling pressured about something and you go to a, you know, seminar and you're mm. feeling pressured, um, it, you know, it's probably probably a good gut signal and message mm. to walk away. Yeah. So you know the key there: become financially literate. Yep. Um, what are you know, wealthy people um, understand what they're doing. Um, they have taken the time and the effort to learn. Yeah, so they understand it, mm. but nice segue into mm. there, Steve, in around you know what um, financially successful people do. They don't necessarily do it all themselves. They don't mm. try and be a jack of all trades mm. around you know implementing the various financial steps. They actually go out and get help. Yeah. So you know, surrounding themselves, yeah, surround yourself with a good team. Yeah. You know, so you know, there are certain parts of uh, of anything that we do that we can do ourselves. Mm. Um, but then there are parts that we can't, which you just said. So you know, in the financial world, you know, do you need help initially with financial counselling? You know, just getting on top of your money. Mm. You know, um, get yourself out of the mess. Yep. Or 
you know, see a financial planner around, you know, getting a plan in place. A financial planner, you know, the planner bit is actually the most important part. Yeah. Um, get a plan in place. So long-term steps you're going to take to, yeah, you know, get, get to the end. And a good financial planner will actually help you become financially literate. Yeah. If you're not already. Yeah, so yeah. there's a few crossovers mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're not that way inclined where mm-hmm. you necessarily want to become too financially literate and... and mm-hmm. You know, some, sometimes people do want to just outsource it immediately and, and you know, I think it's so important that you do get some education and, and often that's part of the process is, mm. you know, talking with a financial planner, it's going to be an element of, his, you know, here's the advice that we're doing, here's the planning, mm. but here's the education to go around it so you can explain yeah. it and understand it and build up those, you know, yeah. foundations. Now, a good financial planner will ensure that that bit is done first. Yeah. Um, that there's, you know, whatever, you know, level of financial literacy and education is required yep. will be done before there's any yep. talk about, you know... Next process. The next bit, yep. yeah. Mortgage brokers, you know, they're... Good mortgage brokers are uh, an invaluable resource mm. when it comes mm. to understanding what your options are around credit. Um it's so important to have someone who's mm. talking with banks every day of the week mm. that can advocate for you and they know the processes in the background and it's mm. sometimes the fact that they've just got that exposure to, to that, you know, element of the industry that they're just going to have, you know, so much experience that they can impart on to you that you're just not going to be able to do yourself. Yeah. And, and, and I love it when I see people, you know, talking about the mortgage broking piece, you know, they might be able to go to the bank and get, you know, 0.1% cheaper themselves as opposed to going to the broker and then they're, you know, they, they spit the dummy of the broker because the broker isn't able to do that. Mm. But just hold on a minute. Think about all the hours the broker's doing in the background yeah, yeah. for you not to even have to deal with the bank. Mm. Do you want to be the one talking to the bank on settlement day to, you know, make sure the you know make sure the funds are there and, you know, wondering where it is? You let the broker do that, all the chasing in the background. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, good accountant or tax agent if your affairs are you know, complex enough to need one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they're not always that no, complex. No, they're, no, they're, that's but, a good you know, point. Having someone to help you, you know, make those financial decisions from a tax perspective, um, and you know, plenty of other professionals around that you might need to 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 you know, get a hand from. So get help. You know, um, most people, in our experience, who become wealthy have gotten some help along the way. Well, they know um, yeah. at what point they need to yeah. outsource. You know, yeah. they become that successful mm. um, because they are educated and they do have these really good financial habits in place. Mm. But they've they've gone, hey, my time is better spent focusing on what I do yeah. um, and what the, you know what I'm good at. And mm. it, now it's time to outsource some of these other items to yeah. you know a professional or Probably to a team of helpers. The only other thing I'd say on that is make sure that um, you know what you're going to pay for the services mm-hmm. that you're going to outsource and that you have an absolute belief that that's a fair price. Yep. Okay, so, yeah. We could spend a whole episode on how you actually judge that, but, mm. um, yeah, it's important. Again, gut mm. is mm. probably the mm. most, um, you know, reliable element in a lot of mm. those instances. Yep. How are we going for time? Uh, we're all right. We, yeah. we're, you know, we're got travelling few, all right. Yeah, we've got a few minutes up our sleeve. Yeah, a couple of, couple of more minutes. Hopefully mm-hmm. no one's nodding off and, and, yeah. and, and everyone's enjoying the last half. Yeah, the last um, the last half of the last podcast yeah. of 2020. That's it. Is um, it season one? Did we call it season one? Well, that's what we can. Okay. It is cool. season one. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. When did we do our first one? Uh, January or something, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's too hard. So long ago. Yep. Yeah. Um, what else? Protecting wealth. Okay. So making sure that... So as you're building your wealth, mm-hmm. 
um, how do you protect what you have and how do you protect your ability to get to where you want to be. Yeah, Is well, that really it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we often talk about this and, and it's insurance in a lot of instances, making sure that, you know, yeah. financially you're protected. Um, you know, if something happens to you, you're unable to work, you're unable to continue on that path to building wealth, you're not there to implement those habits. You need to have, you know, a plan B. So, yeah, it's so, it's so interesting, this... Um it should be the first conversation that anyone has yeah. or the first piece that they attend to as they're starting their journey yeah. to create wealth. And we've done it here in this podcast mm. episode. We've done it. We're talking about it last or towards the end, mm. you know, when really it's a foundation. Yeah. You know, making sure that what you've got and what yeah. you, you intend to have is protected. I think we would have lost a few people we've, if we opened, opened I thought it. We already, I think we already lost them on budgeting, mate. So. <laughs> we <opened it>. we <laughs> might have lost more if we opened it with insurance. But, uh, but it, yeah, what. Well, What's a what's a person's most valuable asset? Themselves. It is. Yeah. 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 Their earnings. Not, not their earnings. Fin- their earnings. Yeah, not just financially, but in life, isn't yeah. it? Um, but you know, their their ability to generate wealth mm. is totally dependent on one thing and one person, and that's you. Yeah. Um, so if if that person, which is you, is unable to operate. Mm. You got a good story, an analogy about a tractor or something, haven't you? I'll get you to tell that. Yeah, um, right. yeah. If that if that person is you, um, then that needs to be protected. Yeah. It? You know that the the ability of that person to be able to generate income mm. um, and protect and replace income if they can't work is paramount. Uh, absolutely. Because if, if if something bad happens, no chance of achieving wealth. No. It's mm. it's just you know you don't want to be on the GoFundMe page. Mm. Um, the analogy, the stupid analogy I use, is you're the tractor to your farm. So yeah. you know you would imagine most you know farmers that utilise a tractor to generate an income are going mm. to insure that tractor, make yeah. sure it's covered. If it breaks down, yeah. not necessarily if it breaks down, but if but, you know yeah. it gets struck by lightning or yeah. whatever happens, and and it's it's covered, mm. it's insured. Mm. So you are the tractor. Yeah, um, I do like that one. Yeah, mm. you you, mm. you you are the income generating piece mm. to the farm, yeah. which is your house in this yeah. instance. Mm. So, and so many people underestimate you know, that that fact and and the value of their future earnings capacity. Yeah. And, and and why do you you know I think I've got a view on this. I think it's largely down to people not wanting to think about their own demise. Yeah, who the you know who who wants to sit there and think, oh well you know if I'm not here. Yeah. Or, or, or who or, wants to think about, hey, I've had an accident or an illness, and I just can't ever work again. Yeah. They don't want to think yeah, about what, it. Yeah, what mm. a horrible thought. Mm. And, and, you know, that that is human nature, I think, is going to basically push that into the back burner, push mm. it in the background, know that it's a real, very much a real risk, mm. but avoid addressing it. Because if I avoid addressing it, it might not happen to me. Yeah, yeah. But then why do when people insure their houses? <laughs> Because, you know, because people, you know, I think it's more, you know, people can realistically see why a house can burn down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they, they they can't realistically see why they're the ones that steps steps off the curb and gets hit, hit by the bus. Do you know that more people lose their houses through losing the ability to repay their mortgage yeah, than, they, than through fire? Yeah, fire. Yeah. Uh, you know, I yeah. t- heard that statistic mm. before, totally not surprised. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tangible versus intangible. That's what I was looking for, yeah, Steve. Yeah. Um, you know, and let's be honest, like, 
you're losing your house and not losing yourself, like mm. potentially. Yeah, yeah. So, but we've seen firsthand the impact that the death the death of a person can have on a family, mm-hmm. or their inability to work can have. So you know, quite often it means you know there's insufficient insurance, a family loses the house. Mm. Um, if there's insufficient insurance and a person, the main breadwinner, isn't able to work ever again, yeah. they lose the house yeah. um, and they have a pretty meagre lifestyle yeah. as a result. So, you know, we know that because we've dealt with many claims over, over, over time. Mm. But, you know, we also have to deal with uh, the barriers, which is that insurance costs money. Yeah. Um, and that um, it isn't exactly an easy process to get good insurance cover yeah. in place. Yeah, I, th- um, I think that really yeah. sums it up. Yeah. It isn't an easy process to get good mm. insurance. Yeah, yeah. It's an easy process to get bad insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, plenty of advertising <laughs> on TV, you know, no medicals, no, no yeah. anything. But yeah. um, when you come come to claim, yeah, may not be that and easy. that's probably another reason why people don't necessarily want to do it. It's a bit yeah. of a hard process to get yeah. it in play. Yeah. Um, so, that, you know, that's understandable. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about protecting wealth and it probably just sort of fits into there and, and it's something that I certainly see uh, firsthand is where people don't have a safety net mm-hmm. and what do I mean by that I mean a bit of dry powder a bit of cash in the bank yep. um, when things go south so you know so often you know, and COVID's a classic example a lot of people were out of employment but were very lucky to live in a country where you know the government stepped in very quickly to make sure that you know that gap was filled but you know for some people that you know, we're out of employment, didn't have any money in the bank. All of a sudden, they're drawing on you know their credit card or they're drawing on the mortgage. Or in some instances, you know, and I'm not saying you know whether specific or not, you know, they're taking from superannuation, hmm. and all these steps that they're taking because they didn't have any dry powder in place yep. are putting them behind the ball yep. in the future. Yep. Yep. So yeah, having that, um, you know. Through two, three, four months worth of um, earnings in cash savings. You yeah, know? Um, yeah, really important. Um, cash is king is a, is you know phrase often I often use. Often yeah. use but um, doesn't mean that cash is king um, as far as your whole portfolio no. goes. But cash is king when it comes to you know protection and safety. Yeah. Um, so just having you know, if it get, gets back to an earlier point around you know understanding your cash flow and, and putting money aside for a purpose and yep. investing, et cetera. That's one of the purposes is mm. is building that, um, what do you call it? The Safety powder. Net, dry yeah, powder. Dry powder, yeah. Very good. All right. Oh, one more. Mm. Um, belief. Okay, so believe mm. that Very you can actually... today, yeah, Steve. Believe that you can become wealthy, you know. Yep. So and I don't mean uh, just blindly no. put it out there that you're going to become wealthy, um, but... Believe yeah. and underst- understand what wealthy means to you. Yep. And then actually believe that you can get there. Um, you know, again, it's very, you know, what is it? It's not very um, tangible. No. Um, but those that do become wealthy mm. generally have had the belief that they will. Yeah. And it's so often that you see people, you know, oh, I'm stuck in this dead-end job and, mm. you know, how am I ever going to get ahead? And, mm. you know, and, and they've just – there is no belief there. There's, no, there's belief, no, yeah. no belief. It's very important to underpin that belief with a plan. Yeah. Okay, so I could believe, as you said, I could believe and you've shattered this dream that I'm going to be an astronaut mm. in a few years. Mm. Um, but without a plan, listen, I'm not going to get there, am I? But oh, without, yeah, I was just going to break it to you, but with, stupid. But without a plan, I'm absolutely not going to yeah. get there. Um, Look, with a plan, yeah. you might get into the front door of NASA, but mm-hmm. you know, without the plan, you're probably not yeah, even getting yeah. onto the plane. Absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, have have the belief, um, and then uh, make sure that behind behind that belief that you have got a plan yep. um, that will enable you to get there. Absolutely. Yep. Very good. All right. Well, that was the second half, and We're out that's of time. the end of the year for us. That's the end of 2020 as far as the Money Men podcast mm-hmm. goes. It's nearly the end of 2020 as far as anything goes. Yeah. Um, thank you to everyone in Australia and the world that has been listening to yep. us. Um, it's been fun. It has been fun. And a uh, passion project of ours, and yeah. it's been good. Um, and it's, for us, it's around that financial literacy piece, isn't yep. it? We believe that it's great for people to um, to learn more about Get money. financially literate. Um, yep. So this is our little little way to do that and mm-hmm. you know, catch up on a regular basis and talk about the things that we like talking about anyway. Yep. Absolutely. So we'll include, obviously, you know you know where to find us. We've got mm-hmm. the Money Men Facebook page, themoneymen.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll share it on our various social medias. We're on Apple Podcasts. Um, yeah. Spotify, Spotify, all all, all the big ones. Mm. And we'll get some of those links in the show notes as well to some of those resources that we talked about. Good on you, mate. Well, thanks for 2020. Good good on you, Steve. We'll catch everyone in 2021. Cheers, mate. Bye.